Hello. Hi. I love coming into the Museum of the Home because the first thing you see is these wonderful gardens. Also, the scenery is very beautiful and there are lots of big trees. And the building actually looks like lots of cottages and houses. I like the houses with all the windows and the vines on the walls. Yes, because you live in a cottage yourself, don't you girls? And so this does remind them of home. And then the other thing I notice when I come is the statue of Geoffrey, which is at the front of the museum. And I think that's just a, a reminder of how complicated Britain's history is. And of course, there's a black family entering a museum where they have a statue of a person who benefited from the slave trade. It rises a lot of complicated feelings but I think it's an important discussion to have with my girls and it's just you know it's part of Britain's history that is better talked about than ignored. Okay let's go in guys. Hello. Hi. Hi welcome to the Museum of the Home. Thank you we've got our national art passes here. Oh that's great that means you're entitled to 50% off entry to all our exhibitions. Excellent and it says plus kids as well. Oh yeah with the plus kids pass that means your children can enjoy the same benefits as you. Brilliant thank you. Uh, If you'd just like to head down this way. Okay. Hi, I'm Kemi Lawson, the creative director and co-founder of The Cornrow. The Cornrow is a home and lifestyle brand dedicated to celebrating the modern black aesthetic. I'm Yasmin and Kemi's mum and grandmother to Lamedin Anu. Hi, I'm Anu and I am granddaughter to Nana and daughter to Kemi Lawson. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lamedin, aged 11. I love bringing my daughters to the museum because I think a big part of my parenting job is to really expose them to as much as possible and fun ways to kind of engage their brain. And I love bringing my mum because I learn from her and we do a lot together. And one of our favourite things to do is visit museums and galleries. We've gone to Paris even to visit a, a museum. I like going to museums because you can learn new things and see new things that you can't see at home. Home is such a fundamental part of our of our life and our experience. I always try and explain to the girls are very different. Like what we have is even different from your friends, let alone people living in different parts of the country or parts of the world. And also to explore the history of the home and the things that we take for granted, dishwashers, washing machines, iPads, and how it's changed not only historically but even in my lifetime as well. Well, I'm quite keen to show them the um, the Caribbean room, the West Indian front room because that sort of helps back to my, my childhood, and I'd quite like to share that experience with them. That sort of brings it alive to them, because they haven't been to the Caribbean yet, but hopefully they will. Um, my mum was talking about a tech room that they had, and I like tech things like phones and iPads and stuff like that, so I'm excited to see that. Yeah, and I'm, also, I'm really looking forward to playing Mario Kart. <laughs> Alexa, tell me a joke. When is a door not a door? when it's a jar. <laughs> so the good thing here, Anu, is we have an Alexa at home that we just say, oh, it's just a home, but it's actually in a museum because it talks about, as you can see here, it talks about how Alexas are being used by more and more families and the kind of impact Alexa has. And it says here the company that makes it, what year did they start being coming? 2019. Yes, exactly. So it tells you a bit about the history of it. So it's the same with lots of items here. Do you know what this is here? That's a computer. Does it look like Lamiday's computer? No, it's strange and it's a box shape. What, when was that? 1985. Yeah, so this was my first computer. When I first had a computer at home, that's what it looked like. The monitor looks like a television screen almost, isn't <laughs> Huge. it? Huge. <laughs> What's this? Do you know what that is? Obviously, it's a telephone. How, do you, how would you ring it? No, that's not how you do it. 
How would you dial the number? She doesn't even she doesn't know to put her fingers in the holes. This is how we used to do it. But you would have to pick this up first as well. Go on, pick it up, and then can you hear a click? I don't know. You'd hear a click. Oh, I can hear. What can you hear? It's that. Someone's talking to <laughs> There's me. There's the operator, is it? <laughs> what are they saying? Hi, Grandma. <laughs> look at these books. I guess they had book. This is. The, it's actually more about the bookcase. Does this bookcase look familiar? It was built with inner IKEA. Systems. Have you been to IKEA B before? V. Obviously. So this is like you wouldn't think IKEA would be in a museum, but it is because it affects. It's a very popular shop, and a lot of people have it. So that deserve, even though it's not kind of antique and posh, it deserves to be in a museum too. What's this? This um, is a is a machine that shows lots of different electric devices. Okay, what are you pressing to get the noises? There's one big display and there's an orange, blue and green button and every button makes a different noise. What's that? Um, I can hear a microwave and a hoover. But girls, I remember this catalogue. Can you see this catalogue here? It's What's called that? Littlewood's Catalogue, and back in the 60s, people used to order clothes from the catalogue. So you okay. can see what, what you want. They still have that these days. Um, Who has it these days? Yeah, so when they go into a magazine, there is some pages with people wearing clothes, and then it has, like, 17 pounds, and then it says the website. Yes, you're right, but that's it. It says the website. But here, what it would say is, if you have a look, Mum, you wouldn't use a website. You would go to the shop and you would have the number, I think, and then you, you would pick it up from the shop. That's very strange. So, so it's really different. It's just, look, this, look, read this part, Anu, just what you said. Today, the printed catalogue has been replaced by online stores with consumers increasingly shopping from the comfort of their homes. Yes. What's a better system, do you think? I think a better system is online because it's hard to go into the shops and everything. I'm Lou Platman. I'm curator here at the Museum of the Home. We are in Domestic Game Changers. So this is a mishmash of 400 years of domestic objects. What's that thing? This is actually a, a, a TV. It's a big oval, like the size of like a head, and it's very round, and it's painted orange. It looks like an astronaut's helmet. It's from 1970, so it came out one year after we landed on the moon. At the height of the space age, so uh, you're de definitely right in, in, uh, in your thinking. I was wondering, is this one from the 1970s, or have you made an exact replica? No, this, this is one from the 1970s, and this is, it's quite a rare model, um, because not many people bought it. It would have been quite expensive at the time. So I think this was more for design-focused people rather than families who wanted to, to spend the night in front of the, the TV. It's true, because it is actually about the size of an astronaut's helmet. I can't imagine more than one person watching at a time. Also, our TV now it hangs on the wall, but that couldn't really... Like, it's not on a mantelpiece or anything. When we were growing up with our TV, it was more for the parents. You know, parents watched television. We were sort of brought in to watch, you know, sort of family shows. But the father very much controlled what you saw, what you watched. I remember my father liking to watch Panorama. 
What's the oldest thing in the room then? You said 400 years. The oldest thing, probably these bricks right here. These are actually bricks from our own buildings. So these bricks would have been from the, from the early 1700s after the, the Great Fire of London. And bricks were brought in because obviously they, they're harder to, to set on fire. They made buildings much more uniform. So we began to get big rows of terraced houses, like the houses we're standing in now. They look like bricks that have kind of broken off and things like that. When you were making the houses and you were stacking the bricks, were they already broken or is it just like biodegraded a bit? Yeah, this, this one got broken probably by, by a builder who was uh, trying to chisel it out. One came from a window, one came from a fireplace and another one came from, from a wall. I love how this room is a selection of the most important things that have happened to the house over 400 years. Like, I guess it must have been really hard to kind of curate. And I love how you have a picture of Trechnikov's Chinese girl. I know this is something that Mummy loves in as fact, well. I have that one in my house. Oh, really? That's great. For some reason, it seems so modern, even though it's kind of old as well. They've become iconic, haven't they? What made you choose um, a Russian? I think he's Russian, isn't he? Really, so uh, the Chinese girl portrait is chosen to represent mass-produced art uh, in general which really came into homes on a large scale uh, in, the, in the 1700s with prints. And so this, this print is thought to be the best-selling print of all time. And it was huge in, in the post-war era uh, in, the, in the 20th century um, and really brought uh, a lot of colour into very, very drab English homes. Um, and you could buy it from, from Boots for, for about a pound. Quite expensive to buy now, though, really. Yes, originals are very expensive. But also, I suppose it brought in a sense of exotica. Exactly, yeah. This is not sort of like an English country scene. It's, it's something from you know, another culture, really, so that must have been lovely. Certainly. Um, although I think now the, the way that the, the lady is portrayed in the painting could definitely be seen as, as problematic, and she was paid very little for her time as a model, uh, and Trechikov became massively wealthy, um, and she was used in, in many different paintings yeah. by Trechikov. She's just she's so thoughtful, isn't she? And I just wonder what she's sort of like the Mona Lisa. That you wonder what she's thinking about, and you sort of feel that with her. I like how her face is blue. Do you? Yeah. And it's just kind of something I always try to teach the kids about how this, it's so complicated, things at first value, and then if you just kind of scratch the surface. Like, even the name of it, can you see, girl? It's called Chinese Girl. We don't know her name. Like, it almost wasn't important. She might not even have been really Chinese. She could have been somewhere else from East Asia. So it's like she's the main part of the portrait, can you see? But really, it's about the, it's about the painter who's actually getting all the credit and, as Louis said, the, the money. So it's good to ask, you know, to, to kind of think about what's behind pictures that you look at. The museum was originally built as almshouses for uh, retired ironmongers. The, the money came from uh, a bequest from Sir Robert Jeffrey. Robert Jeffrey made much of his money from investments in a slave ship, as well as in the East India Company and Royal African Company. So it benefited hugely from um, exploitative labour and, and enslaved labour. So the buildings themselves have uh, very problematic origins, um, and we've tried to address that in a lot of the displays and general changes in, in how we work at the museum. It just makes me feel so envious of my children because they're going to see this as you know, a matter of course to see a room that looks like their grandmother's room or to see stories created by school children who look like them. And it you know, wasn't the case in mine and certainly not my mother's generation. Thank you very much. No worries, I love to see you again. <laughs> Thank you.
So girls, this room has got a monument to Robert Jeffrey, who was the person who gave the money for the museum and the person who, owns, who profited from enslaved people. So what they've done is they've put this video installation here as a bit of a, as a balm, I like to think of it, to kind of, to kind of talk about black stories. And what's the big picture you can see on the screen? Um, it's the big a, picture, the photograph. It's a lady sleeping. Exactly. What kind of lady? What, what, what's her ethnicity? What, just describe it she's a bit She's a more. black lady. Yep. And what's she wearing on her head? Well, she's wearing a headscarf. Do you wear a headscarf sometimes to sleep? Yeah. Exactly. So this is a black lady that looks like a lot of black women, reading bonnet and sleeping. And the reason the artist has chosen to do that because it's a black woman at rest. And historically, a lot of women, a lot of black women haven't had time or opportunity to rest as much as they should. And that's one of the reasons mummy has her afternoon nap, because I feel like <laughs> I, I deserve it for myself and the ancestors. The lady's eyes are open now. Oh, it's true. Her eyes are open. Is she still asleep? It looks like she's looking at us. I like the artist's perspective, because now it looks like she's staring right into our into our inner souls. To be honest, I'm just, I've not seen this installation before, so I'm trying to take it all in. But the stories that it's telling, I'm sort of catching bits of it. One of it was about the children, the young girls who were abducted in Nigeria by the Boko Haram um, fraction, that we still haven't got the girls back to their homes. Can you see the name of the artist here? Wasi, Wasi Danju. Yes, exactly. Danju. So she's talking about how, A, the, how black women are resting and how that's almost an act of resistance to rest and to take time out from the capitalist society. And B, they're talking about, she's putting all these stories here. Just kind of, let's say their names. There's something about saying people's names and remembering, even though there's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes remembering these stories and honouring these stories is an important thing to do. Here, there's a Super Mario Kart, but it doesn't look like the normal ones we have now. It looks like an old-fashioned one. It's also making a very high-pitched noise. It's very blurry, but it's like the same characters as you have in Mario Kart today. And the, um, the Nintendo consoles, they, they still have the plus button, the start select, but they look a, a bit different to the ones we have today. And the colours and stuff. Yes, it says on the wall that this was 1992. So how old is that? That's 30. 30 years old, yeah, because I thought so, because this looks like the ones that we used to play with when we were little, and you didn't have your own screen, you used to use the TV. It still looks really fun, though. Like I've noticed in the newer versions, you get to like pick your avatar and pick your race course. Press the start button. Press start. OK, round one. Who's on top, who's on bottom? Any idea? OK, off you go. So you've got to press power slide. Press up. Oh, no one's left. <laughs> it's quite as simple. Me, stop your control. See, I'm still moving. Yeah, but... Oh. big museum isn't it yeah it is actually if you think of all when you go outside and you see all the almshouses but it looks very big from the outside but it's even bigger on the inside yes that's true all these are little what sitting rooms would have looked like in different years of the, so in history 
what they've tried to do is make it look like a real living room. So they fill the cups with drinks and stuff. I like the, um, like the antique feel. Yeah, can you see what year, what year it was in? It was 17, made in 17. Yes, exactly. I particularly like the wallpaper. It reminds me of some of the ones we have at home. <laughs> this wall is very similar to the ancestor wall we have in our house. It's the same type of feel, like lots of photos of our relatives. What's the oldest relative on your ancestor's wall? Mm, probably my great-grandma. Your great-grandma? I thought you went back further than that. Let Lamide tell us, because go on, Lam. One of our ancestors, well, not my mum's, but on my dad's side, are a Victorian princess. So Queen Victoria is one of her, uh, her adopted children. What was her name? Sarah what? Forbes. Sarah Forbes. And it's on our ancestors' wall, because my mum managed to trace down one of... Oh, ancestors. She lived an upper-middle-class life in Victorian England, um, and we've got lovely pictures of her in all the beautiful dresses. And, um, yes, it'd probably be something like this, and she visited the Queen, and Win uh, Victor Queen Victoria and Windsor Castle a number of times. So she would have been very comfortable here. And, yeah, and one of the reasons I was happy to unearth this story of Sarah Forbes Burnett is because to show the girls that they also belong in these surroundings and there were black people in Georgian England and Victorian England, some who were also doing very well. So just to feel like, you know, the black presence as they read so much history at school and they see it here, that they also have a right to kind of imagine it, you know, in a you know, Bridgerton-esque way, but it was actually based on, on reality as well. Yeah, if I was, if I lived in a house like this and I was trying to give it a... 1800s feel. I would do like long sofas with lots of um, wooden like carvings. Oh, hope you invite me around. Maybe. Oh wow! Oh, it's the West Indian front room. It always takes your breath away when you see this room. What do you think, Mum? It's like stepping back in time, isn't it? Definitely. For me, it's just, it's just so, much, so much detail. Like, they thought, the curators thought of everything. At your time, was there drumsticks and refreshments? <laughs> yeah, the girls home in on the sweets, of course. But yeah, did you, would you have had those in your I, sweets? Yes, drumsticks, choice? yes. I remember drumsticks. Would you have refreshers? Um, I don't remember refreshers, but I remember the um, sherbet dib-dab thing there. And I remember the... Oh, what's that called? The... Um, Oh, the viewing viewfinder. Viewfinder, because you used to get little cards of different pictures where there's birds or waterfalls or different countries or animals, and slot it in the little slot on the yeah. top and click it down and then see the, and then see the pictures. That I can good. also see a hot water bottle. Oh yeah, mummy still carries around a hot water bottle everywhere. Can you see there? How would you describe the room, Lammy Day? Well, it's very yellow. The walls they've got lots of patterns as well, but they're like intricate patterns. They're not like really huge. They're like delicate and there is lots of artwork on the wall and I can also see a, a Christian, two Christian artwork. Yes, the Last Supper is there with Jesus in the middle. Good spot. But would you feel comfortable in this room? It's all carpeted. And the, yes, swirly carpet. The sofas look very soft. The TV is very old-fashioned. Yeah, one of those big box TVs dominating the side of the room. I wouldn't be comfortable in this room because it's way too bright and it would probably hurt my eyes. <laughs> That's true. I can also see a trolley. 
Oh, yeah, so you can tell the kind of age of... So what kind of age of people would probably be living here? Older people, like yeah. 80s, 90s. Yeah. Any other pictures catch your eye? Who's that man on there on the corner? Do you recognise him? Martin Luther King. But one of the things about this room is why I, asked, why I asked whether you would feel comfortable in here is because it's your best room. So it's not really made for comfort, it's meant, made more for show. So if you had an important visitor like the, the, the pastor from church or um, a doctor or somebody, then that's when you would use this room. So it's not really to be comfy and it's really just to show off. But that cabinet was your best crockery or your best glass. You wouldn't, you wouldn't use those unless you had a really important visitor. There are even clinks on the walls which showed that they're trying to, like, not jam-pack, but, like, <laughs> add in, like, a lot of their things there. So it looks very impressive for the people who come inside. Exactly. So you want to say, I've been to St Lucia, I've been to St Vincent, and, you know, yes. you want... and what's your heritage. You want people to know, just like we are, you want people to know about your heritage and where you're from. And even though this is probably a room could be in London or Bristol... They try and bring the, the, the energy and spirit of St Lucia and the Caribbean to, to their home. Can you see these pictures on the wall? What, what, what are those people doing on the wall? There's some beautiful collection of black and white photos on the wall, obviously moments they're proud of. Well, they're probably their relatives at some special places, like one of them's graduating. Yes. It's just a picture of them in smart clothes, so maybe it's like their passport photos. Yeah. And also I can see one of the phones we looked at in the other room, the old-fashioned ones. Can you see what's different about that phone? There's something they've popped oh, yeah, on it. Yeah, there's a key. Why do you think that is, Lammy Day? The, maybe because the phone is one of their most, like, prized possessions. Mummy, can you solve the riddle of the key? Well, because you make telephone calls on the telephone and you have to pay for telephone calls. So rather than having your teenage daughter come in here and use the phone to phone all her friends and stay on the phone for hours and, and run up the phone bill, as your <laughs> grandma would say, that's a lock, so it means that you you have to ask permission. Were you that teenager girl? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was. I think I was, Anu. My name is Veronique Bilenga, and I'm a collections assistant at the Museum of the Home. The person that made this room, his name is Michael McMillan, and he's an artist, he's a curator, he writes. He's the one who designed everything in his room. And it's all based on his own sort of lived memory of the front room, the room of his parents. Those two pictures up there are actually pictures of both his mom and his dad. They're passport pictures that he kind of like... Yeah. Why are there so many yellows and oranges in the room? I think, what would you think? Just a popular, a trop- it's kind of that tropical kind of feel. They wouldn't have gone grays, even in that time, I don't think. Wouldn't have gone for greys and minimalism. Yeah, I think Western is like colour and texture and warmth. And to them, this would have felt home, you know, recreating, recreating how they lived in the Caribbean. And this, this is it. This is it. Do you know how he sourced all these items? I mean, it's incredible, the detail. And not, most of the things got chucked and things, I imagine. People didn't really, because we didn't think of them as special or museum-worthy. I think the sourcing is quite important. I think a lot of it was, you know, I guess, speaking to people we knew, people that kept things, um, managing to get them from people that kept things from their own relatives. Or, you know, sometimes sourcing them on the internet, on your eBay, and, you know. Um, he was telling me about, so on this corner here, there's like a Woolworth plastic bag, which is a 70s version of it, right? So that's something that he sourced on the internet. 
So Can you tell us a bit about, I mean, we've seen the room a few times before, but usually when I see people's initial reactions, sometimes it can even be quite emotional, kind of, especially if they've lost a grandparent or they grew up here and haven't seen it since. Mm. Would you tell us a bit about what people kind of what are drawn to, what kind of um, reactions? Well, similarly to you guys, I think the colour, the liveliness of the room, it's quite alive. It's full of things, yeah. full of things. So it's like, what does your eye catch first? I think for me, what caught my eye is this corner here with the pictures of family pictures um, and kind of just, yes, because in my home, definitely my parents would sort of like show all the successes and accomplishments <laughs> and oh yes, I'm so proud of you for getting to go to school, you know. We have it in our home, all my nieces and nephews and siblings who've graduated we've got a whole wall of graduate is that a west indian thing or do so i'm so i'm of cameroonian descent okay. so i'm central african and that's definitely something we do it's maybe a general black thing <laughs> <laughs> i think there's some things that are very specific to like michael but also caribbean homes and especially in the 70s i bet homes wouldn't look like nowadays they'd be a bit different but there's also something that's shared in sort of like the general black experience, you know, of the home. But do you think contemporary black people, for want of another word, but do you think we've lost this sense of colour and texture? Um, I think a lot of people are doing front rooms, are doing a lot more front rooms nowadays. I've been in the last couple of months, I've seen a lot more people trying to kind of study the space and understand what it represented. Now in actual homes, if people are trying to kind of recreate something like this I'm not too sure I don't mean exactly like this but just something what you're trying to do with um, yeah, I feel like the cornrow isn't it to bring back this sort of aesthetic aesthetic into a modern home I think some people may do that in different ways and pieces maybe not yeah re recreate a front room but definitely sort of whatever has been passed down yeah. they will kind of put back put in their home I think is a very organic way of seeing how the front room continues to exist in people's homes, if not in this particular way. Exactly. I mean, this is everything. This is it on 110 max, full volume, fifth gear. But I think there are elements that we should try and keep in, in, and, and display. And I think a lot of it also has been written off as bad taste or kitsch or 70s. And I think that's really unfair. Like if you take these, for instance, these antimacassars or doilies, this is actually very complex work and it's a craft, you know, and people spend hours doing Doing them and now they're thought of as teacher stuff but yeah it'd be great to find ways to kind of modern interpretations of them to kind of keep these skills alive which is why it's important it's in the museum because that already makes people think there's a status of it whereas before it was like maybe <laughs> an era that's you know that taste forgot or something but now it's here I think it's one of your most popular installations Absolutely. isn't it and it's and the first step to kind of rehabilitating this aesthetic. I completely agree it's it's one that enables us to explore home in quite new ways um, especially kind of centering again the black experience the black caribbean experience and its relationship with other subjectivities and experiences of home what's really good with this room is that it doesn't exist like all the other period rooms it's a room for example a lot of the things here don't have like the status of object like they're it's more like a living artwork installation that michael comes in and changes every every time he feels he needs to because it's all part of his memory it's not it's not, it's, that's where the research and study is. So you'll see him come often, look at the room like we are today and be like, oh, I brought something and I'm just gonna add it there. 
and again, it enables us to study different, study histories in more intentional ways, whether that be his stories of resistance in the front room, stories around music, food, you know, lifestyle, all these things are, we're able to explore in them much more intentional ways. Well, I remember coming to see this exhibition when he first had it some years ago. It was fabulous, it was just, as, just as this one is now. And everybody was like, you know, it's like stepping back in time. Well, my grandmother had that, my mother had that, and everybody could identify with everything in the room. It's such a privilege to collate these stories whilst people are alive and to conserve it, you know. And so, you know, as you said, it should be ever-evolving. And also, I think another thing is kind of like, yes, really situating the Caribbean. You see the pillows, you see the plates on the side, you see the maps everywhere which was, um, like Yasmin was mentioning, about really bringing the Caribbean home, you know, in the UK. Um, so all these things, I think, are just remarkable and very specific to this front room. Specifically migrant homes, in it? Like, people that were reminiscing on home, back home, whatever back home was. Missing home. Missing home. We're trying to bring as much home in the space, right? And being really delicate and precious about it. The idea of home, where it is, where you feel at home, yeah, and this is basically their kind of, I always think of it as their safe space or solace and p p place of expression. And boy, did they go for it. <laughs> I think for me, first of all, I find the museum such a great place for children because it's A, so immersive and so kind of like you're encouraged to touch things. A lot of times, you know, things are behind glass, glass barriers and everything, but this you really feel like you're entering into people's homes and people's experiences. The front rooms in the 1970s made me feel connected to my great-grandma because it felt like I was getting back in time to her, not childhood, to her adulthood. Like, I've seen stuff from, like, hundreds of years ago and I've seen stuff from, like, 40 years ago and even stuff from two years ago so it's nice to see like lots of different things from different times and like compare them to each other i feel seen in this museum more than other museums first of all as we mentioned because of our the west indian front room but even installations like the mario kart which kind of feels like my childhood um brought to life and you never really think of your childhood with a curatorial or, or a museum lens but you realize it is important and also chastening because i'm always telling these girls off by how much roblox they play and then you're like oh yeah super mm -hmm. mario kart and then you know you remember the history of video games and how it's an important part of your history as well i really enjoyed the mario kart thing because i won racing against my sister <laughs> who was stuck in the corners it's a highlights home really in a way that we, we sort of take home for granted don't we lamb and we get used to you know take home for granted where you go at the end of the day where you, your day starts from but here just shows you home through the years and home disadvantaged homes and mm. the sadness of some homes and it just makes you appreciate your home and also i used to think of home as like wake up eat go come back sleep repeat and then now i think of it like somewhere like to live in like not just that, that, that like somewhere that you're supposed to spend time with and even in some of the rooms we saw well to me home's a safe space like it's safe but 
to some people, it's not really. The other thing that struck me is just how how things are so different but so the same. Kind of like you can see that kind of thread in time, how from us going back and back, you know, people are doing the same things but just in different environments. In the future, I kind of want it to feel safe. And also I want it to feel futuristic but still have aspects of things that aren't very futuristic, like the front room we saw, for an example, to like bring the past into the future. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I like the repetitive patterns on the carpets in the Victorian times. So I think in my future home, I'm definitely going to include some of those. In like 50 years, it'll be like, whoa, look at this iPad they have. Thanks for listening to Meet Me at the Museum. With me, Kemi Lawson. With me, Yasmin, Kemi's mum. With me, Blamide. And me, Anu. If you liked this episode of the podcast, please rate, subscribe or tell a friend. And don't forget, you can show your love for museums with a National Art Pass. It gives you great benefits at hundreds of venues while raising money to support them. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.